For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas. It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot. What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McHale, from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 10 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman's Sausage Company. No Shamarco Thomas for this episode, but internet sensation Kyle Leff is here to fill in, so we are in excellent hands. Kyle, how are you doing today? You know, I am doing well, Mike, but it has been a rough week for my sports teams. Uh, obviously, Syracuse lost to Florida State. My Yankees lost in the wildcard game. My Saints lost, and the Knicks are just the Knicks. So it's been a really rough week, but I'm excited to hopefully have a good weekend this 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 time around. As a Red Sox fan, I will definitely not rub in the fact that the Red Sox beat the Yankees. I will not mention Ow. the Red Sox winning in the playoffs and eliminating the Yankees. I will not mention that a bunch of times in this episode. I will certainly not continue to mention the Red Sox beating the Yankees. Um, I won't mention that. Not at all. Further. No, we'll, no we'll ignore that. We're a football podcast. We're not yes. a baseball co- podcast. So there's really no reason for me to continue to mention the Red Sox beating the Yankees. So I'll stop. This hurts. So, this hurts. <laughs> listen, I would expect nothing less from you the other way around if the Yankees had won the game. And I was not Obviously. necessarily overly confident going into the game because the Yankees had really dominated the Red Sox the last half of the season. Uh, it was kind of a tale of two seasons. Red Sox dominated the Yankees early and the Yankees dominated the Red Sox late. So I'd, I wasn't overly confident going into the game. But anyway, we won't get on a, a tangent about Red Sox Yankees, considering that is not what you are here for. And I'm going to guess that more Syracuse fans are Yankees fans or Red Sox fans. And I don't want to tick you all off and have you turn this episode off. But before we get to that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So here we are. We're going to talk about Syracuse and Wake Forest, a big game in the Carrier Dome this weekend. And we're going to start off by talking about the fact that Wake Forest is number 19 in the country. They are 5-0. and They have scored at least 35 points in each of their games so far this season. All of that said, Kyle, it, it seems like on paper, it is a pretty, pretty big test 
for Syracuse considering all of that. And I think because Wake Forest is undefeated, because they're ranked in the top 20, this is an opportunity for Syracuse to make a statement on a national scale, something that you probably only thought that the matchup with Clemson was going to provide coming into the season. Yeah. Well, firstly, talking about Wake Forest's season, this is their first year, uh, first 3-0 start since 2011. So that kind of puts it into perspective how their football program has kind of been. They're seeking their first 6-0 start uh, since nine, since 1944. Um, I don't believe either of us were alive. I don't think our combined ages were alive back then, even close to that. So, you know, they're in uncharted territory. But as you said, Syracuse comes into this underdogs. We're six and a half point underdog to be exact, which we were discussing ahead of time. Feels too small, but feels too big. So don't know what to make of it. And I honestly don't think Wake Forest is as good as they are. But when you're five weeks in and you're facing the 19th ranked team in the nation, it's always going to be an upset to try and beat them. So if we can beat them, I mean, hey, I, I would love life if we could do that. Absolutely. I mean, listen, if if Syracuse can figure out a way to beat Wake Forest, an offense that that is averaging uh, a little over 38 points a game, 445 yards per game, you can shut that team down. You know, a defense that's giving up only 18 points per game. Um, if you can score on that, you know, regardless of of who Wake Forest has played and and. You know, they've they've had some games against subpar competition, but they also, to their credit, they've beaten three power five teams, uh, three teams in the ACC. So they're three and zero in conference. Syracuse is playing just its second conference game of the season. Wake is already on their fourth. So it's it's not like they've beaten up on Albany five times. Right. They, they haven't done that. So um, it's it's notable, I think, if if you win a game like that and it would if you want to make an impression that's going to turn around those that are still on the Syracuse still stinks and we're, and they're going to be uh, they're going to prove that by the end of the season with what their final record is. If you want to start to change some of that perspective, some of that chatter, I think this is a game that you win in order to do that because again, they're five and zero. they're number 19 in the country. If you beat them, your highlights are going to be everywhere. The game is on ESPN two. So it's going to be shown in a lot of markets. I just think that this game can go a long way for for your perception on um, a national level and within the ACC. And the other part of this is, despite the fact that Syracuse lost last week to Florida State, if Syracuse wins out, they're going to the ACC championship game. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that that's, that's something you should expect but, or predict, but. but there's not a game on the schedule that they can't win. And this might be, I might say at Virginia Tech might be a little bit more difficult just because it's on the road. But this might be, you can make an argument that this is, is going to be the best team that they're going to play. Pittsburgh might have something to say about that uh, for the rest of the year. And, you know, even with that, I don't think that Wake Forest even at five and zero, and in those statistics that we just mentioned, I don't think that they are this overwhelming juggernaut of a talented team like Clemson has been the last few years when you've played them, where you thought Clemson's going to have to not play well and Syracuse is going to have to play its best in order to win. This is a game where Syracuse and Wake Forest could both play well, 
and Syracuse could still win the game. So um, I don't think from a talent perspective that it's an overwhelming disadvantage on either side. And, um, you know, I, I think it would, it would mean a lot for the program and a lot for perception, not only nationally, but among the local fans. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think this is the, as I said, the most winnable game. It's a winnable game for us. This is a very winnable game. And Yes, it's a ranked opponent who's 5-0 in the ACC, the best ACC team by ranking that's out there right now. But I think Clemson's a tougher game than Wake Forest is. Clemson has more talent than Wake Forest does. That's just what it is. That Wake Forest, yes, and we'll discuss them later, they have a lot of seniors on their team. They're an old squad. They know what they're doing. But sometimes that's not talent, and I don't think it's talent for Wake Forest. I think... Sean Tucker is the best player on the field. I think Mikel Jones is the best player on the defensive side of the ball for both teams. I mean, I don't know what I'm, if I'm missing something with Wake Forest, how well they've played, but not impressed by them, not impressed by the film I've watched. I, in all honesty, am more impressed by Syracuse as a team, which is saying something, to be honest with you. Yes, absolutely. And, um, as you mentioned, we'll get into the experience um, that that they're going to be putting out on the field on Saturday a little bit later. But part of the key to their 5-0 and start and uh, 35 points a game um, offensively has been the fact that they have been extremely balanced. They're averaging 186 rushing yards per game. They're averaging 259 passing yards per game. Um, they're... Their rushing attack has three players with over 50 carries, all of which have over 200 rushing yards and are all averaging over four yards per carry. Their touchdown splits on the ground. Um, their leader is Christian Beal Smith. He has four, just, just as Ellison has three. Christian Turner has two. And then quarterback Sam Hartman has two himself. So they've got 11 rushing touchdowns, but they're all evenly distributed. So they've got a stable of running backs that they're going to play, keeps everybody fresh. They're all kind of a little bit different types of players. So different options that they can go to. And then through the air, Sam Hartman is one of these guys that it feels like has been there since about 1995. And yet, He's still he's still there going strong. He he's extremely accurate with the football. He doesn't turn it over. Only two interceptions so far on the season compared to 11 touchdowns. As I mentioned, he's he's throwing the ball for uh, about 257 yards a game. Um, he's completing 64 percent of his passes. He can move a little bit so he can uh, hurt you with his legs if you're not careful. So, you know, it's it's just a very balanced, very balanced attack. And even, you know, from from a receiver standpoint, um, they've got three guys. Their top three guys have 19 catches, 20 catches, 22 catches. And then their yards are 380, 317 and 252. And then they've got touchdowns distributed two, four and two. So, again, it's it's multiple guys. There's not one guy you can really key in on. And I think that makes their offense that much more difficult to defend. I agree, but also makes them difficult to defend, but also they don't have that like stud player that when we played Liberty, it was Malik Willis. We knew that going in that you have to contain him and you ought to contain to an extent everyone they got on the outside. But if I look at this team, I don't see someone and I'm not scared of any certain player that they can win by committee, but 
if it's a close game and it comes down to it, who are they going to go to? That we obviously, when we have the ball at the end of the game, there's one person we're going to, and his name is Sean Tucker. I don't know who Wake Forest is going to go to. Obviously, we haven't watched every game of theirs. We don't know if there's a certain guy or not. But just by looking at it, looking at their team, they don't have the man. They don't have the Malik. They don't have the Sean Tucker. Like, if if we were looking at who we're playing at, at any point in time, I mean, Clemson, you've got Justin Ross. You know exactly who they're going to go to in crunch time. Wake's got nobody. And that, in all honesty, makes me happier to face them than it does if they had somebody. Yeah, and what's what's interesting too is with their their balance attack and and to your point of their five games, they've only had one where they really had to worry about that late in the game, right? Because the first four, you know, they beat Old Dominion forty two to ten, they beat Norfolk State forty one to sixteen. You kind of expect those given the opponent that, that they were that lopsided. But then they beat Florida State 35-14, and Florida State was still trying to figure out its quarterback situation, and, and it was right after the loss to, F- to the FCS Jacksonville State. So they clearly had a hangover there. Then they they went and won at Virginia 37-17, to which I think is their most impressive win of the season considering it was on the road. But again, you know they were up 20-3 to at the half. Uh, they were up going into the fourth quarter 34 to 17. So these these were not games where late in the game, you know, the the outcome was in doubt against Louisville. They won 37-34 and they had to come back in that one because they were down uh, you know, in in the second half and and had to to rally. The game was tied um, with about three minutes to go, and they needed a long drive to kick a field goal to win that game. And when they did need that long drive, it was uh, Justice Ellison that was running the ball for them, and it was Sam Hartman making plays with his arms. So, you know, I, I think when they get into those crunch time situation, that's that's what they're going to rely on is, is Sam Hartman. I, I think the fact that he's experienced um, he's been in those situations, he's your quarterback, he's your leader. They don't have the NFL caliber talent type guy that, you, that you've seen already when you've played against Liberty. They don't have that type of guy as Syracuse is going to see in some upcoming games, but they've got guys that they trust so it makes it a very interesting dynamic because Wake Forest is going to ride the hot hand who happens to be uh, playing well at that point. What if Sam Hartman has a couple of picks in that situation? What if the rushing attack hasn't done anything? I mean, there's there's a lot of variables in this game, but um, it was interesting to see who they went with against Louisville considering that was the first time this season where they needed a late game situation, a late game score to win that game. Um so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. The, the other thing I think that's been pretty impressive about their 5-0 and start is what's very clear from look, from watching them. Um, you know, I've seen them play twice this year. I saw the game against Virginia, and uh, I watched a bunch of their game against Louisville is 
the fact that they don't make mistakes. We know that we've we've talked about Syracuse and penalty yardage um, in in this podcast and previous episodes. Well, when you look at Wake Forest, they're only averaging about forty two and a half penalty yards per game. Um, they have only turned it over a handful of times so far this season, um, just about one per game, but they're forcing about two and a half, a little over two and a half, 2.6 per game. So wake forest has been, as they've been a balanced offensive team, they have also been an offensive team that does not hurt itself. They wait for you to make the mistake and they have taken advantage of the fact that other teams do make those mistakes whether it's a turnover, whether it's sacking the quarterback, they're, they're getting after the quarterback at 3.6 sacks per game. Syracuse, for comparison's sake, is at about four. I think they're two of the best in the conference in that category. But, um, you know, I, I think the fact that Wake Forest doesn't make mistakes, it hasn't made mistakes, has been key to their 5-0 and start. But to, to combat that, to be a contrarian to some extent – they're going to have a game where they have multiple turnovers. They're going to have a game where they have, you know, a few more penalties than normal. I don't think that being as frugal as they have with the ball and being as disciplined as they have in terms of penalties, you're usually not immune to having a game where you're a little bit off in both of those areas. And considering how good Syracuse's defense has been and considering how loud the dome can get, this is an opportunity where you can impact both of those areas. Yeah. And I mean, starting with the last one we said, which is the dome, how loud it can get. I do believe it is parents weekend for SU, which usually means more fans in the dome because all the parents come up to see their kids that go to SU and the kids are like, let's go to a football game. And they go to it. In this case, the wake game, which is a three o'clock game. It's going to be prime time for SU. Like may as well watch it. Um, so parents are going to be there. A lot of kids are going to be there. It's going to be a very large crowd. The student section, as we said last time, was rocking for the last home game. I would expect the exact same thing here. And we saw it with Liberty. They got flustered with the crowd. And imagine what it can do with more fans in the stands against this team. I mean, it doesn't help. They are a a squad that has been together for many years now. They will have a bit more communication and knowledge of each other. That will help them more. But it's interesting to watch that. And then also what you said was the turnovers. That they have 13 takeaways this year, I believe. And we, I think, have four, if I'm not mistaken. I believe we have four takeaways, the two Deuce Chestnut picks, and then I think two fumble recoveries as well. Um, and then we have, I believe, six turnovers on the offense, four picks, a fumble or two. Um, and then obviously for them, they have five turnovers. They committed five. So they have one a game. We have just over one a game-ish. So turning the ball over on offense is the same, but the defense is very different. That their defense gets takeaways. Our defense just stops teams from playing. It is a very like similar defensive, like we're strong. But they're strong in getting takeaways. We're strong in just being a good defense. So I really honestly don't know how this game is going to go. <laughs> like we've been saying it now. We've said it multiple times now. We just This is an interesting matchup because, yes, Garrett Schrader is probably going to be our quarterback again, as we know. And he hasn't committed many turnovers. He's committed, I believe, two. So that's good. But also he hasn't done a lot yet. So could a lot of those small mistakes he makes in the past couple of games come back to haunt him here? Could this be the game where their defense just turns up and Schrader has three picks or two fumble, like fumbles? Like we don't know that all I know is fumble wise. I think we'll be fine with Sean Tucker. He's not going to fumble the ball at all. 
not that's not in his repertoire to do. But Schrader in the picks scares me in terms of what could happen. That if this was Tommy DeVito playing, I would say we're going to lose this game because he's going to throw three picks a game. That's just DeVito. He'll throw three touchdowns and throw three picks. Schrader, we haven't seen enough of him to say this is probably going to happen. That we have no idea what's going to happen in this game. And could we see zero turnovers for either side? Yes. Could we also see seven in the game? Also, yes. That I don't know where this is going to go. And I will be intrigued to see exactly how these defenses play. Yeah, and I think if it does end up with zero turnovers for each team, I actually think that's an advantage for Syracuse because Wake Forest's defense has has really lived off of those turnovers so far this season. I mean, they, they are giving up... <clears throat> Um, just about 390 yards per game offensively, 250 through the air, uh, almost 140 on the ground. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into how Syracuse can attack that that rushing defense of Wake Forest in a little bit. But this isn't a Wake Forest defense that has shut shut teams down like Syracuse's defense has. You know, Syracuse is only giving up 285 yards per game defensively. They're number one in the conference in passing defense at 167 yards a game. Um, Wake Forest is is either middle of the pack or uh, or lower in, in each of those areas. So it's really been turnovers and sacks that have really paced this Wake Forest defense. So if Syracuse can be smart in this game and take care of the football and and can limit the pass rush of Wake Forest, which I think the running game really helps them there, then then that really gives Syracuse a big advantage. So if they do hold it to to zero on each side, I think that gives Syracuse a huge edge in this game. The next thing we're going to talk about is, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times how experienced Wake Forest is. And that goes to part of the reason why they have been disciplined and they have taken care of the football is because they have played together for so long. They have 14 juniors or seniors that are in their their starting lineup. And they've got even more if, if you put the two deep together. And keep in mind that those juniors would typically be seniors if not for the COVID year. And many of those seniors would be gone if not for that COVID year. So this is a very experienced team. Yes, the Dome crowd can have an impact on them. Yes, the noise can have a huge impact on them and and making some mistakes. But they've been in those environments. A lot of these guys have. Um, and, and I think that also, you know, when you start looking at their analytics, you start looking at the fact that that they're uh, converting almost 47% of their third down opportunities, you know, over 55% of their fourth down opportunities. They're holding opposing teams to just 12.5% conversion on fourth down. So, you know, all of those things come together and there's a reason for it. And it's because of the fact that they are so experienced and they do have all of those juniors and seniors on, on the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, in college football, you'll see it. There'll be either a team that is all of that talent that is just wickedly good. And then you'll have a team that is just experienced and that they will just win games because they know how they play. And that's what matters for them. And that's what wake is. They don't have the talent. I, I love Hartman, but he's not what Trevor Lawrence was for Clemson. He's not even DJ Uyunglele for Clemson this year. Like he's not as talented as other guys in this division are, but He's experienced. Beal Smith experienced. Roberson experienced. The entire offense is experienced. The defense is experienced. Like they have experience everywhere. And what you said, 
that makes up for a lot that you'll see. I mean, Malik Willis is an experienced enough guy. He's going to get drafted this year, as we said, but he was still comparatively younger in the system. As you said, these guys, they have 14 returning starters who are all junior slash senior or AKA senior super seniors that they have a lot of players who have been here. They've done that. They've played in the dome before. I mean, they're going to come in here knowing what the dome is like, understanding what the crowd might be like, and that this team is loved. Sean Tucker is a Heisman candidate. Like they're coming in here understanding that there is a lot of pride that we have on the line and they're going to have been in these environments before. They're going to know how to deal with it. That as the crowd may not affect them as much. That's why it's got to be louder this week because it has to make up for the fact that they've played in probably bigger crowds than this. If you've played at Clemson, you've played in a bigger crowd than Domans and it's a louder environment. So it's a, it's a, again, it's a toss up. It's a, it's a weird, like, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I, I think this is, is one of the more intriguing games uh, for all of those reasons on Syracuse's schedule, but uh, the, the next question is, you know, where does Syracuse have an advantage? And uh, there are two two key areas, I think, where they've got an opportunity to make an impact on this game. And I want to start first with Syracuse's rushing attack. We know that it's one of the best in the ACC. I believe it's ranked second in the ACC in, in rushing yards per game. We also know that Wake Forest, as a team, um, is is allowing about 137 yards per game uh, defensively, which which doesn't sound like a ton. It sounds like it's kind of middle of the pack, and you know, it, it, it's okay. But you know, the the next thing to to look at is what do they give up per carry? Because that will really tell you the tale of how good a run defense is, right? Um, you know, if if they're only allowing 130 something yards a game, but they're giving up five yards a carry, well, that suggests that teams are passing the ball on them, probably because they've been behind quite a bit, um, given at what we've outlined in terms of of how they've controlled games. But you look at their their total numbers, and the average yards per carry for Wake Forest opponents so far this year is 3.9, which is below the 4.0 that you. you is kind of your, your goal. If you're getting four yards carry, you feel like you're running the ball pretty well. But the thing to keep in mind is that number includes sacks being backed out. And um, so what I did was I went and looked at those statistics and I removed the sacks from the equation to figure out how is the run defense really performing against the run as opposed to including those sacks and Wake Forest has 18 on the year um, in, in five games are averaging almost four per game. So they have quite a bit and that's been for a total loss of 91 yards. So almost hundred yards lost just on sacks and Wake Forest is allowing 4.9 yards per carry a full yard more than what their, their season average is when you remove sacks from the equation. So what that tells me is even though Wake Forest defense, um, you know, has had some success, against opposing rushing attacks. They haven't seen a rushing attack like Syracuse's so far this season. And they have been susceptible to giving up yards on the ground. And I think that plays to the strength of what Syracuse is. Now, Wake Forest knows this. They're going to come in. They're going to stack the box. They're going to try to take Sean Tucker away. We know all of that. Uh, Last week, for example, Louisville ran for 213 yards, averaged five yards per carry against Wake Forest. 
But you can only do that for so long if Sean Tucker is, or I'm sorry, if Garrett Schrader is running all over you. So him having a, a good game, I think, is important for Syracuse. Uh, and then if he can throw the ball a little bit off some play action opportunities, you completely change how they defend you. Regardless, I think Syracuse has an opportunity to run the ball in this game. And then the other area where I think it's important is I think Syracuse has to get after Sam Hartman, make things uncomfortable for him, put a lot of pressure on him. Uh, Wake Forest is only allowing one and a half sacks per game. So they've done a pretty good job containing opposing pass rushes. But at the same time, they've also been up by quite a bit in a lot of the second half games. So if this is a close game, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more than they're used to. So does that give Syracuse an opportunity to pin their ears back and really get after? Him? Those are kind of the two areas that if I'm watching early, I want to see Syracuse getting after Hartman, putting pressure on him when he drops back. And I want to see Syracuse having success on the ground. I completely agree. Those are the two areas we have to attack most. And those are also, by the way, our two best areas of our team. That is like where our team's strength lies, like starting with the defense and with the pass rush. I mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we have 20 sacks this season. Correct. I think is correct, which they have given up one and a half sacks a game. We average four a game. That's a considerable difference. So let's say you split the middle and you get, let's say it's five and a half sacks. You get like three sacks, two sacks in this game. That's strong. That means you do something, you're doing something right. If you get that, it was pressure on Hartman. Keep adding to it. The more sacks you get, the louder the dome will get with it. That it'll just it'll feed off itself. The defense will get pumped. It'll get amped up. Williams and Deuce Chestnut on the outside will be locking everyone up. It'll be a loud environment. The defense will get ready. They'll get into the game. Mikel Jones is going to be ready for this one, as we know. So, I mean, that's a, a immediate attack in there. And then, as you said, with the running situation, they give up, I believe, is what you said, 5.9 yards a carry. And none of that has been against a Heisman, Maxwell, Doak Walker candidate, and Sean Tucker. That's the, the truth of it, that they have not faced anyone even close to where he is talent-wise. And that also has to now include, as you said, Garrett Schrader, who, as we saw last week, can run the ball really dang well. I mean, you now have two threats to deal with, that the toughness of defending the Ravens in the NFL last year or two years ago was that you had a running back running at you with Gus Edwards, and then you had Lamar Jackson, too. That Lamar Jackson can run and Edwards can run. So who do you stop? Do you put everyone in the middle, block the box and stop Tucker and let Schrader run all over you? Or do you try and stop Schrader and let Sean Tucker run all over you? I mean, they're at a lose-lose for them. That you can't do both because if you try and do both, Schrader, as you said, is going to play action it and it's going to be game over. That they, if this rushing attack can do any semblance of what they've done this season through five games, this should be a very strong Q's offensive showing. And this might be where we score our most points of the season that we did well last week against Florida state. We might put up closer to 40 if the offense can get going to the extent we think they can this week. Yeah. Keep in mind, Louisville scored 34 on Wake Forest doing a lot of the things that we just discussed with, um, you know, a lot of RPOs where your quarterback was a threat as well as a running back. And, you know, I think, um, the Louisville's uh, quarterback, Malik Williams, Malik Campbell, I, I, Malik Cunningham, I Malik Cunningham. I don't know why his name was escaping me, but Malik Cunningham, he's, he's a, a different style runner than Garrett Schrader is. He's a little bit quicker, um, but they don't have a running back that Sean Tucker wake Forest has not played a Sean Tucker type running back this season, as, as you mentioned. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, the other area, you know, a lot of the games we go into, 
we think Syracuse has an advantage on special teams. Some games that's turned out to be the case. Some games it is not. In this one, I actually think Wake Forest has the advantage on special teams. They've got arguably the best kicker in the country in Nick Skiba. He has not missed a field goal this season. He's, that includes being three for three from beyond 40 yards. Um, he hasn't missed an extra point. They've got some dynamic returners. Um, their their punter is averaging, uh, you know, about 41 and a half yards per punt and has four 50 yard punts so far in the season, eight punts inside the opposing 20 yard line. So he's accurate. He's got a big leg. Their field goal kicker, if they get in a field goal range, they feel pretty comfortable that he's going to make it. As I said, hasn't missed one so far on the season. And then they've got um, the ACC's leading punt returner in Taylor Morin back there returning punts. He's averaging about 13 yards per return. He's been really close to breaking one for a touchdown. So um, Syracuse's punt return uh, punt return unit is going to have to be on its game in this one. And then for from kickoff returns, Jasir Taylor already has a 99-yard kick return for a touchdown so far this season. He's averaging 36 yards per return. So Syracuse's special teams are really going to be challenged in this game. And, you know, that they have to, I think, play Wake Forest at least even in that area in order to uh, pull off the win on Saturday. I agree. And I mean... If anyone's going to do it with special teams, I mean, we have like one of the best kickers in college football in Schmidt. He's what he's missed. I believe uh, two field goals this year. Not ideal, but again, he's Andre Schmidt. He's a Lou Groza award winner. He knows what he's doing. He can kick, he can kick football. The, the scary part is the punt game. That, that is where I am personally really scared in terms of special teams, because as we've seen this year, our punt team, in all honesty, has not been as good as you'd hope it is. I think that can kind of be said. There's been some problems here or there that there is no Sterling Hoffrichter. There is no Nolan Cooney. There's no Riley Dixon. That, And I love our punt team. I love everything they have to offer, at least punting the ball. But it's been shaky. It's not been great. And that scares me. And then we haven't returned the ball well this year either. There hasn't been many strong returns I've seen from Lutz, from Pena, from anybody. So I'm, I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on something that, as you said, the special teams is going to determine this game. I haven't seen any indication that this season SU has got anything in the locker in terms of special teams. No. And, and what's so James Williams, who was their starting punter missed last game against Wake Forest and Syracuse turned to walk on, Ian Hawkins as their punter in that game. And he had, you know, a couple of, of short shanks, but otherwise was, was pretty solid, uh, especially given that that was the first time you'd seen action in, in a college game, I thought was, um, you know, pretty, pretty solid. Um, you're hoping you can get James Williams back this week, but we don't know. Um, his status is still up in the air. We don't know exactly what kept him out and why he didn't travel to Florida. We don't know what his status is for this week. So, if he can go, you feel a little bit better about that. If he can't, then that's a, definitely an area to watch. And I think, uh, you know, Syracuse is, as I mentioned, their their coverage teams on kick and punt returns are definitely going to have to be on point in this game. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, though, let's give you our predictions. We will start with Kyle. Let's get your prediction on final score. Who's going to win this game? I know we've gone back and forth on who has the advantage and who doesn't throughout this episode, but, um, you know, all your chips to the center of the table, who you got and why. 
All my chips is under the table based on what we've said, how they play in the Dome Saturday, 3.30 game. I'm going to, and I know I'm being the homer. I'm going with our team. I'm going to go with Syracuse, but I think it's going to be a 30-28 game. I think we keep Wake Forest under 30, uh, under 35 for the first time this season, actually. But I think we keep them under 30. And it's just a matter of, I think Schrader and Tucker are going to beat Wake Forest. And I I think coming into this season, I would say that Schrader and Tucker are where our team is going to win this game. I didn't think Schrader would be starting, in all honesty. So the fact that I'm saying this now is kind of crazy. And I know if, I, if I'm back in the past listening to this, I'd be like, what are you saying? But I think we win. I think we get, as I said last time I predicted this, I said Sean Tucker's going to have a great game. I thought he'd break uh, Svaj P. Ryan's uh, rushing record. I'm not going that far, but I think Sean Tucker's going to have a 150-plus yard rushing performance. He's going to have two or three touchdowns. Trader's going to break 100 yards as well. I I expect the two of them to run all over this Wake Forest defense. Yeah, I think they'll they'll need them to to pull this one out. Um, you know, I'm I've gone back and forth on this over and over. You know, I've regardless of of which way I've leaned in the given moment, I thought it was going to be a close game. Just like kind of going into Liberty, I kind of have the same feel that I think this is going to be a close game into the fourth quarter, and someone's going to have to make a play late in order to win it. Um, in that game, the Syracuse defense came up with a strip sack at the end to to put them in field goal range for the game-winning field goal. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a turnover late or if it's going to be the offense picking up a couple first downs to run the clock out, whatever the situation is. But um, I'm going to go Syracuse 34, Wake Forest 31. Syracuse pulls off uh, a, a three-point win, gets to 4-2 and two on the season, 1-1 one and one in conference play a win against a ranked team and puts themselves in position where if they figure out a way to beat Clemson the following week, they're going to be in consideration for being a ranked team themselves, which I'm not sure after Syracuse lost to Rutgers, many people thought would happen at that point in the season. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, episode 10. It's crazy that we're already on 10 episodes of this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and listening and making this podcast a success. Episode 10 was presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. For Kyle F., I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.